Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Today we are resuming our study in the book of First Samuel. We're doing a whole thing on the book of Kings, and so we've got First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, and Second Kings uh, that we're going to be working through. And it's probably going to, like I mentioned last week, probably going to take some time. Uh, but we're trying to conquer two chapters a time. Uh, so today we're looking at chapters three and chapter four. Now, this, these two particular chapters are a reminder to us that actions matter. Not only do they matter, our actions or lack of action can have a profound impact on our own families and on our own communities and even our own nation. And uh, so what you do matters and it's important, and how you live your life matters, and as we're going to see here, how you raise your kids matters, not just in uh, the practical parts of our lives, but it matters to God, as we're going to see as he deals with Eli, the priest, and uh, so that's just kind of the set the stage here. We, we, we have a couple interesting things that happen. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant is taken away by the Philistines. Uh, in this particular uh, portion that we're reading today, and just there's a lot to soak in, um, so let's uh, just have a look at it. We're going to read from the King James Bible. I'm praying that you'll be blessed this morning, that your hearts will be pierced, that it'll cause you to draw all the more near to God. We're living in some very bizarre and challenging times. And it only seems like it's going to keep snowballing downhill from here. And so you're going to really, really need that faith. You're going to really, really need that close relationship with God as the world continues to get stripped away. And uh, so when the world gets stripped away, you're going to be left with either nothing or you're going to be left with a great faith, which means you'll be left with everything. But you can't serve both masters. So just a word for you this morning. All right, let's have a look because we're going to stop right after the very first verse and just look at something here. Chapter 3, let me read verse 1 real quick. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open visions. So it says the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Uh, which is the Hebrew word yakar, which means uh, highly valued. Um, it can mean um, precious in that it's, uh, it's uh, I'm trying to find the right words to describe it here. Um, precious in the fact that it's kind of like, like a jewel or like a stone where it's highly valued, where it's rare. Okay, that's the word I'm looking for. Precious meaning it's rare. It's You see, we live in a time now where the Word of God is just so readily available. It there's Here's the sad thing about this generation. There's never been a time in human history where God was so readily available, but so, but so ignored. It's never been more, let me say that again, it's never been more readily available than it is today. 
There's never been access to God's word like there is right now for people all over the entire earth. And yet it's so ignored. It's so undervalued. It's so misunderstood because you have a lot of ignorance about it. Because you have people teaching who shouldn't be teaching it. Who don't know it themselves. You have people walking around calling themselves Christians who think they know the Bible, but the truth is is they just know a few stories they heard in church over the years. They've never really committed their life to studying it. So here, in the time of Samuel, he's still a child. It says that the word was precious. And while in our days it's readily, readily available, the truth of the word, I would say, is precious and rare. Right? Yes, there's Bibles everywhere. You can access it on the internet from anywhere in the world, just about anywhere in the world. Um, the Bible app itself has been downloaded from every country in the world. That's according to the Bible app themselves. They, they make that claim. And yet the word is still precious because it's so understudied and there's so much ignorance about it. And it says there was also no open vision. No open vision, which is kazan in Hebrew, chazan in Hebrew, uh, which literally is talking about oracle or prophecy or divine communication. Uh, so the story is trying to set us up and say there wasn't a lot of communication with from God at that time. Uh, people weren't here. There was no open visions happening at that time. And the word of the Lord was very precious at that time, very rare. So uh, I spent all that time on that just to set the stage of what we're looking at here. And it's going to make the rest of this uh, next few verses make a lot more sense. So, now we've set the stage. Let's officially begin Samuel chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and chapter 4. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time, when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou calledest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and he lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down. And it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went, and he laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, and he called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. 
And that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house when I began. I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Alright, let's hold on a second. First of all, we have God calling Eli. Or, I'm sorry, not Eli. God calling Samuel. But at that time, Samuel didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the word of the Lord. Which, here's the thing about Eli. is It seems like Eli has a leadership problem. He's in a position of leadership. He's been charged with taking care of this child because, because Samuel's mom had committed him to the priest. Right? To the temple. To God. And Eli has still not... Re- Still not taught the child about Yehovah. Has not taught him about God. Has not taught him about the Word. And so Samuel's hearing his name called, and he goes to Eli, and Eli keeps telling him to go back to bed. And then finally Eli gets the hint: Hey, maybe God is calling him. And he, this is where he actually does do some good leadership, as he. Tr- tells the child how to respond to God. He says, "When you, if you hear it again, say, your servant is listening. And so that's what happens. And then the prophecy that is given to Samuel, which remember at that time there was no open vision, so it's been a long time since someone received one, is that Eli was going to get the judgment that was pronounced upon him. And this is the part that I meant to say that your actions matter and how you raise your kids matters, how it matters to God, because we see here God holding Eli and his entire household accountable for refusing to restrain his sons, for refusing to reign in his children. Let's look at it. And that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I began, I will also make it when I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever. For the end. Listen to the duration of the judgment. Forever. Man, this is, this is serious stuff. His house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Because his sons made themselves vile. And he restrained them not. Hmm. Let that be a word to us today. Let that be a word to us today. You know, in the end days, uh, I believe it's Peter who tells us that children will be disobedient, right? Uh, in the Old Testament, the scriptures talk about how your how the children rule over the parents, and how the culture is ruled by women. It's this idea that the men don't take any authority. They don't. They don't rule their houses in a godly manner and therefore their children are the ones ruling it or the women are the ones ruling it we have really poor leadership this is what the end of days is going to look like and of course that's exactly what it looks like all right let's continue on Uh, we're ready for verse 14 and therefore i have sworn unto the house of eli that the iniquity of eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay into the morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, 
and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. A couple things I want to point out. Notice that with God, you know, these scriptures talk about how like a thousand years is like a day to God, right? So he's pronounced that this judgment's coming on Eli, but it didn't, wasn't like it happened in the, within 24 hours of that vision, okay? It still hasn't happened yet, and Samuel's grown. Those last few verses explain, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he did not let none of his words fall to the ground. Don't you want to be in such close relationship with God that none of your words fall to the ground? Like God's giving you the words to say, you say them and they happen. Also, it talks about how he's in Shiloh, right? The Lord appeared to him again in Shiloh. Shiloh, for uh, those who don't know it, first of all, the word in Hebrew means place of rest. And in Hebrew, it is the word Shiloh. It means pl place of rest, but it, when we're looking at it here, it was literally a city in Ephraim, and it was a temporary home for the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle. So that's where Samuel grew up, in this place called Shiloh, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the tabernacle was. But it was a, it was a city within Ephraim. Alright, chapter 4. Let's read. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle, and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Apek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle... Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about four thousand men. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us this day before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Now, here's the first mistake. Did God tell them to go get the Ark of the Covenant? No, he did not. Okay, they're doing this on their own uh, merit, their own wisdom. Verse 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, Yehovah Savaot, right? Which dwelt between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come to the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. 
Woe unto us! Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, and quiet yourselves like men, O you Philistines, that you be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Quit yourself, quiet yourself like men, and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent, and it was a very great slaughter, for there fell of the Israel of Israel thirty thousand footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. And they ran a man of Benjamin out of the army, and he came to Shiloh to the same day with his clothes rent and with the earth upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath also been a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man, and heavy, and he had judged Israel for forty years. So here's Eli. The judgment's finally here. The Ark of the Covenant has been taken, which would have been just absolutely devastating in their hearts and in their minds to a point that we can't even understand. Not only that, his two sons died in the battle. He is so just in pain about what had happened that he literally falls backward out of his chair the scriptures say that he's a heavy man, that he's an old man, and he landed and he broke his neck and died. So even though Eli was a good man, actions still matter. There's still consequences to decisions, right? When David sinned with Bathsheba, the scriptures say that the sword would never leave his house. And this is a man after God's own heart who wrote all the Psalms, the greatest king of all time as far as men are concerned. And yet he still had to pay for his, for the pay a price for, there was still consequences to his poor decision. And Eli's judgment came. Not only that, but on, it really fell on everyone, right? His, himself, his household, and even Israel. Verse 19. And his daughter-in-law, Venus's wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child 
Aichabad, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken, and because her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark is taken. And that is where it all ends for this morning. That is chapters 3 and chapter 4. Even the wife died. God was not joking when he was talking about the whole household was going to pay for this. For this, for the vileness of those two boys. And Eli paid the price because he did not restrain them. He just kind of let them do the evil, knowing it was evil in the eyes of God. Hmm, strong, tough stuff this morning, right? But also hopeful. You know, God still chose uh, Samuel. He still picked somebody who, who was willing to do his will. He's always looking for that person who's willing to listen and do it. Willing to listen and do it. And then the next responsibility is to teach it. You listen, you do it, and then you teach it. Let me give you just one scripture real quick to chew on. That goes along with what I just said there out of the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach it in Israel, statutes and judgments. I'm praying that that would be my heart, that I would, on a daily basis I would wake up in the morning, I'd get on my face before God, I would prepare my heart to seek his law, then to live it out, and then to teach it to others. We are called to make disciples, right? We're not called to become kings of our own kingdom. To become famous pastors and YouTubers. No. We're called to seek the law, to do it, and to teach it to others, to make disciples of Jesus. To share the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, it says. To go out into the world and tell them about it. To bring people in. Because there's a day coming, friends. You know, the Bible describes that there comes a point when the harvest is ready. You know, God's people are going to actually inherit the earth. Right now, the, right now all the wicked rule over it, right? They rule over it. But the day's coming when the harvest is ready. The tares and the wheat have grown together. Right? The scriptures talk about that. Jesus says, you know, the reason why we don't just pull the tares out now is because if you've ever had a garden, if you pull up the weed that's really in there with the plant, you'll pull them both out at the same time. So you got to let it grow together. And then when it's time to harvest, you can do that. And Jesus paints a picture that when the harvest is ready, the angels will be sent out. They're going to cut away the chaff bind it and burn it and then the fruit is what's left the people of God will inherit the earth that day is coming there's going to be a great harvest and your job is to bring in more to do something with the talents that you have been given 
with the skills that you have been given, with the portion that you have been given. Some have been given more, some have been given less, but those who have been given more, more is expected, the scriptures say. More is expected. And God expects you to have more when he comes than you started with. So if he gives you one talent, he expects a return on that investment. That's what the scriptures say. So do something. It might be small. Sometimes people underestimate the power of the small thing they're doing. Maybe it's just showing some kindness that make people go, hey, what is different about that person? Maybe you start a website, maybe you start a vlog, maybe you start a blog, maybe you start a YouTube channel, maybe you start a podcast, maybe you're volunteering in your church, maybe you're volunteering at the local soup kitchen, maybe you're going, you need to do something. Hiding away in your house, burying your talent until the master comes, will prove to be a terrible decision. Because when the master comes and he sees the servant, and the servant says, here's your talent. And he hadn't done anything with it. He had buried it. He was called a wicked servant. And he was cast out with the non-believers. His portion, his inheritance was with the non-believers. So I'll say what I say seemingly every day now. And I look in the mirror and I'm saying it to myself. And I'm reminding myself of it. And that is, actions matter. Actions matter. And they demonstrate what you truly believe. That is enough rambling for one day. I hope you've been blessed. The website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to support this mission. That's where you go to find the archives. You can find a link to the devotional book about the end of days. That's where you go to donate or become a Patreon subscriber, all those things. Scriptureandprophecy.com Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.